Welcome to Near-Death Experience Podcast, the official source of audio accounts for the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation. I'm Chaz Hathaway, author of Life in the Spirit World, What Near-Death Experiences May Teach About Life on the Other Side. Today we're going to share the experience of Monica, who says, I'm a type 1 diabetic. I live on my own, but when I felt ill, I would stay with my parents. Well, on Saturday, November 20th, 1999, I had the flu and, of course, was with my parents. Nothing special. My parents wanted me to go to the emergency room, but I, of course, refused and said the next day I would go if not better. That I would go if not better. Well, I stayed on the couch that night in in part due to the fact that I could walk straight and all the pain and trouble breathing. As the night went on, I started to do some crazy things. I thought the alarm clock my mom brought down was a glass of water, and I picked it up to drink a few times. I also started to breathe heavily and go in and out of deep sleep. Then I woke up at 8.10 and started talking to my mom. She was in a recliner behind me. I told her it was my time to go, and that I loved her, and all I wanted out of life was to be a happy girl. I kept telling her this over and over. In between, though, I kept telling the person who was waiting for me to shut up and quit being an idiot. This person I did not know and had never seen before, but he was there to take me with him. All the while this was going on, my sister upstairs could see, could hear and kept thinking to herself, Shut up already. And then she said she could hear a voice say, She's dying, over and over. During this time, my mom came over to the couch and laid down on the other end and rubbed my extremely cold legs, as she put it, and got me to go back to sleep. By 8.25, I was gone. My mom woke up to use the restroom about, around 10 o'clock and get me ready for the emergency room visit. When a voice said to her, She's dead, and you'd better do something. That's when my mom ran to me. Mind you, I am <coughs> right beside her, watching and listening to her. <coughs> then she ran for my dad. My sister came down at the, at the time and told my mom, to look at me and said she's dead. I was the gray or the death gray, as they call it. My dad came down and shook me and yelled for me to wake up. Then he thought to get a coffee table out of the way. My mom did compressions and my dad did breaths. My sister called nine one one and I hung with her and I hung with her on the porch for a while until I heard the siren in the distance. Then suddenly I was grabbed up and felt myself go into what was like a waiting room. It was peaceful, and I loved it. I wanted to stay. I had an overview of my life, who I should be with and who I shouldn't. What life was and a taste of it, I guess, is the way to put it. I only remember a feeling of it now, but at the time, I know it was beautiful. 
I also remember hearing prayers from my family. I remember some of their thoughts and fears, too. I remember them being told that I was down way too long, and I was, as I put it, now mush. They need to let me go. Then I remember prayers. I wanted to stay, and I guess you could say fought to stay, and was angry. I was pushed back out and told to live. That's when the amazing, or the amazement, to the amazement of everyone, I opened my eyes and held out my hand to my shocked parents sitting beside me. I couldn't say anything because of the tube down my throat, but I do remember looking at the little board across from my bed, and it said Monday, November 22nd, 1999. And your nurses today are Terry and Teresa. And I went back to sleep, only to find many visitors who couldn't believe I was alive staring at them. I went through, pardon my pun, hell to get where I am today. I remember the peace and goodness I felt, but also a slight anger toward being back. I try, I've tried to t talk about all this and more to my mom, but it's too much for her. My sister has been great, and my husband, I was dating him at the time, has been wonderful too. It's so hard to put in words the feelings and words that were spoken during my out time. It's hard to find the right words to write to you, to even have you begin to understand an ounce of what it was like. No meanness meant. And that is the end of Monica's experience. Very interesting, and it's kind of hard to tell <clears throat> how much of what she is talking about is what she is viewing, and how much is what is told to her, because as she puts it, uh, you know, she's, she, it's hard to put into words. But it sounds like she's following people around, she's, she's out with her sister on the uh, you know, upstairs or, or down in patio or whatever, porch, I guess she says. I hung with her on the porch for a while until I heard the sirens in the distance and so forth. And uh, it's not clear whether she's, like, standing next to her while her body is over on the couch still or what, but uh, um, clearly she's in and out, and she has this sense of being in a waiting room and feeling peaceful and loving it, wanting to stay. She did not want to return to her body, and yet she is told at that time, or shown, what she needs to know, who she should meet, who she shouldn't be with, who she who she should be with and who she shouldn't be with, and, and so forth. She's given something of a life preview, if you will, I, I gather, and yet, it's not clear if she's in the room and seeing all this, or if she's explaining what she um, heard from the others later, and or what. But clearly, this she has left her body during this time, and doesn't want to return to it. But uh, she does end up returning to her body. Uh, apparently, she has more work to do. Anyway, if you would like to support the podcast, you can do so by either purchasing the book Life in the Spirit World or by going to patreon.com slash ndecast. If you would like to uh, contact the podcast, you can do so by emailing 
neardeathexperiencepodcast at gmail.com. And thank you all of you again so much for listening.